Good morning, church. We're going to begin our service together as our custom, standing to our feet and reading God's word aloud to each other. Today, we're going to kind of go back and forth. Um, so if you pull up that first slide, yeah. No, the, sorry, it should be the first scripture there. There we go. Yep. Um, so I'll read the leader part. You read the congregation part, okay? This is from Psalm 100. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. And thank you for reading. You may grab a seat and let's listen to the choir sing.
Let's stand to our feet and continue worshiping together. Rejoice the Lord. Rejoice the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice
I'll bless your name, O God, each day that I awake. From dawn to setting sun, your greatness I'll proclaim. Your glory far exceeds all human thought. So with each breath I'll praise your name, O God. Your name will be revered by children yet to come. As generations see of wonders you have done. Your strong and mighty deeds are always near. O oh God, most high, your name will be revealed. How great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. How great is the Lord our God. greatly to be praised. Your gracious hand provides for all who live and breathe. Your mercy runs to find the helpless and the weak. When we call out to you, you hear our cries. And all our needs your gracious hand provides. How great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. How great is the Lord our God. How great is the Lord. Christ descends, and you will reign forever without end. How great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. How great is the Lord our God. How great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. And greatly to be praised. Amen. He's great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Amen. Thank you for singing. You may be seated.
Welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name is Alan. It is so great to join with you all in worship today. Thank you for being here. If you're a guest here today, here in person or online, hello. We are so glad that you are here today. We want to extend a special welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you. One way we can do that is through a Connect card. That's a little slip of paper in the back of the seat in front of you. If you would pull that out and fill that out, that'll let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can serve you. Then after service, if you exit through these central doors and turn left, you'll see our Next Steps desk. There, you can turn that Connect card in. Meet someone who'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have and also give you a free gift. So welcome, guests. We are so glad that you are here today. Well, today is a special day because today, later in the service, we're going to hear the word brought to us by Pastor Derek Browning. I'm so excited for this. Derek is such a gifted preacher and teacher, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord will speak to all of us through Derek later in this service. But right now, we're going to transition to a moment of prayer. As we do, I invite all of us to prepare our hearts for worship later in the service as we give of our tithes and offerings. So would you please join me in prayer? Good morning, Heavenly Father. We come to you humbled by your greatness. We come to you ready to worship. And with that in mind, Lord, we lift up to you our church's core value of engaging worship. Thank you, Father, for the invitation to worship you. We join now with the angels, with the saints, with our brothers and sisters around the globe as we bow before you. And we ask that you would give us a greater glimpse of how great and worthy you are. Lord, as, as we come together now in corporate worship, we ask that our, our, the words of our lips and the meditations of our heart would be pure and genuine before you. As we worship you through quiet times on our own, we ask that these would be sweet moments of praise and joy-filled worship. Let our worship, Father, whether it be personal or corporate, and all that we do, let it be a source of praise to you and encouragement to those around us. Thank you, Lord, for being so worthy of our praise. Father, we lift it to you also, our brothers and sisters worshiping you around the globe this morning in England. We lift up to you our partner in ministry, Carl Porter. Thank you for Carl, this amazing church planter evangelist, IMB associate that you have raised up and who we get to, to share partner in ministry with. We pray for the church that he's planted in rotten England, that you would be with them today, that they would be encouraged as they worship you. We also pray for Carl and his family. We pray that you would protect them, that you would bless them as Carl evangelizes, as he trains others in evangelism, as he disciples, as he preaches and teaches. Please continue to use Carl and multiply his efforts that your kingdom would come, that so many would know you as Savior. Closer to home, Lord, we lift up to you all sorts of needs in our midst. We praise you. We thank you for answered prayer. And we pray for those who are hurting, all of us who have different needs. Lord, our hearts go out to the Sousa family with Don's father recently passing away. We ask that you would be so close to Don now and the whole family, that they would sense your comfort and your presence, that you would draw them close to you. We pray for Heidi Browning's father recovering from surgery, and we ask that in this situation that you would draw him to yourself. We pray for Doug Broughton as he continues to heal from soldier surgery. We thank you for that successful surgery. Please be with him as he continues to heal. We pray the same for Richard Young as he heals from hip replacement surgery. Please bring healing to Richard. And Lord, you know all of the unspoken requests in our midst. We pray that you would be near to us and that you would provide for us. Finally, Lord, in a moment of confession, we come to you with our greatest need. And that is we need forgiveness. We need to be made right with 
all sinned this past week, even this morning, Lord, and in this moment of confession, we come to you asking for your forgiveness. We've all fallen short of your holy standards. We deserve your judgment. But instead of that, you've given us grace. You've given us the gospel. You've given us your son, Jesus, who did not sin, where we did sin. He lived a perfect life, and he died as the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God on the cross, and he rose again. Lord, we pray that that would be our hope. That would be what we would put our trust in, our lives in, that we would rest in the finished work of Christ, and that you would wash us clean, making us yours, making us new now. So in that hope, we continue to worship you and praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And as we have confessed our sins corporately together, uh, let's hear this word of assurance from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. And we can be comforted by this word, and we can be comforted by this God, who, uh, as we're going to sing in a moment, helps us to say, um, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. I don't know if you know the story, but um, the author of this, of this song, Horatius Badford, when he penned this, these words, um, they had particular meaning to him because he had just lost his entire family in a shipwreck. As a matter of fact, there's sort of, I don't, I don't know how much truth there is to it, but the, the sort of legend, I guess, around the writing of this hymn is that he was actually somewhere near the spot on another ship um, penning these words while he was um, mourning the loss of his whole entire family. So uh, the, may his testimony and our own, uh, as we look around and we know the suffering that our brothers and sisters have experienced in their lives, and, and the, the, the struggling against sin and the powers and principalities of this world, as we look around and as we hear our voices, would we be mutually encouraged by the Spirit who helps us to say, it is well. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing. Yeah. 
to the cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul
Good morning. As we uh, listened to that music and, and heard the word from Horatio Spafford, it was uh, both a, a sad and tragic story, but also an encouragement. And, and, and timely that we would, we would sing that song. It's almost like Mark planned it that way. Because um, today we're going to be talking about us waiting on God when it doesn't make sense. And we're going to be reading from Habakkuk 1.12. Through 220. It's on page 832 if you want to go ahead and start heading that way. And, and I'm, as I was prepping for this, I was thinking about all of the modern day prophets that we are listening to. And, um, and, and in the times of, of Israel, if you think God would send in prophets to deliver a word from God and tell them a truth from God. And at the same time, there was also a lot of pontificators and people that would be running around Israel and the like and giving other words of wisdom and projections about what may happen um, and and we think about those times as being very different from from these days but but if you would stop and think about it when we flip on the news don't we hear the same thing if we flip to the the economic news we've got all these brilliant people talking about what the stock market may or may do or the impending recession and and, and global collapse uh, nowadays the those that aren't flipping on the tv or scrolling their phone and and you've got these prophets these pontificators saying oh we need to go invest in gold and or or we need to go and and make these financial decisions because this is what's going to be happening and and in many cases it's always a doom and gloom story because they know that fear will motivate on the political front 
you hear all this news about the, the, the wars that may happen. Are we on the verge of World War III? Is there going to be an attack from this nation? Um, ha, have they actually um, got these two nations to stop fighting? And, and these, these modern-day, I would call them false prophets, spin up a lot of fear, a lot of fear and a lot of pain. And, and then at a, at a micro level, we all have our own challenges, pains in our family, tragedy in our family, um, or concern, concern about our jobs, concern about what may happen um, in our lives. And so as, as, as we talk through Habakkuk, Habakkuk was prophesying at a time when the southern kingdom of Israel was feeling some of the pain. So we'll put a map up here real quick. Uh, maybe, and um, and I'll just show you, if if you can look very close in the middle that Judah, J U D A H, right there in the middle. Okay, this was the southern kingdom. Now to the north of the southern kingdom, that was northern Israel, who had already been overtaken by Assyria. So you see Assyria up there in the northeast, Assyria, and then over there to the the southeast, Babylon or Babylonia. Okay? So Assyria had already came in and crushed the northern kingdom. And God brought about that judgment. And so Egypt, down in the southwest, was working within Judah and trying to control Judah, sometimes even picking some of their kings and leading them astray. And the, the people of Judah and the leadership of Judah were just terrible, performing all kinds of idolatry and, and pagan practices not leading in the way which God had intended. So, so God's people, his remnant that were remaining faithful, were seeing all of this turmoil around them. These nations that they did not trust, far more powerful than they, their own leadership leading their people astray. And so Habakkuk's prophesying during this time. And, and uh, Mark, if you remember last week, um, I, I won't re-preach his entire sermon, but... Um, he talks about Habakkuk's first prayer, where in the midst of all this pain and suffering, Habakkuk goes in and says, why, God, why? Are you seeing all of the evil that's happening? What are you going to do? Are you going to do something, God? And so I, I want you to kind of think about your own life and a time when you have said, why, God? Why is this happening? Are you going to do something? And then God responds. And Mark preached about this last week. He says, oh, I'm doing something. You won't even believe what I'm doing. He's like, look, look over there at Babylon. I am raising up that nation, and I'm going to bring that nation in to overtake Assyria and your nation. And this is when we tune in to Habakkuk, then responding to God and being like, oh, no, not that. Not that. And, and so how, how often has that happened? God, please do something. Please do something in my life. And then something happens, you're like, not that. That's not what I wanted. So this is what Habakkuk is, is, is working through. And God tells Habakkuk, he says, go and take a message to the people. Make sure that this message is easy to read, is easy to spread, and is going to go to the ends of the earth. Now on a personal note, as, as I was preparing for this and kind of praying through this, I was thinking about our own family and tragedy and and, and I just wanted to share, not for the sake of pity, but just to give you a sense of, of some of our family's struggles. Uh, beginning back in 2019, uh, July of 19, Heidi lost her, her mother. 
Um, and then in November of that year, I lost my uncle, who, who really kind of filled in a role of dad when my dad was away in the military. Um, and then in January of 2020, right before the pandemic, we lost Heidi's brother, Sean. And then in March of 2020, we all felt the pandemic, all the riots, the election year at that time. Chris and Rhonda, some of our best friends, uh, moved away to Argentina. Uh, so we, we lost our, our, our best friends, in a sense, uh, for good reasons. In October of that same year, my company was sold to another company. So we were taken over by another company. Uh, in January of the following year, I lost my grandmother, Irene. And then in October of 21, that year, uh, the company that bought us was then sold to another company. So we've had a lot of turbulence there. In January of 22, I then experienced a new boss and a reorg and lots of uh, unknown. And then May of 22, we lost uh, my grandfather, Wallace, and then... February of 23, my other grandfather, Elmer, and then beginning of this year, I saw layoffs at the company I'm working with, a new boss, a new reorg, and then in the last few weeks, Heidi's dad going into the hospital, um, and, and so it, it, it just kind of seems, as, as many have also experienced, just kind of wave upon wave upon wave of tragedy, and so as, as, as I've learned throughout the last few years, when we find ourselves in this period of waiting on God and a waiting pattern, it's important for us to cling to Christ, to trust in Christ. And we have to remind ourselves from the, the, the words of the true prophecy, the words in Scripture of His goodness, His wisdom, and not to listen in to the false prophecy that we see on TV or the rumors going around amongst our friends, sometimes even well-meaning friends and family members. They're coming to us and trying to speak words of encouragement to us. We have to tune that out and listen to Christ. So, so today we're going to listen from Habakkuk. So if you're with me in uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, starting with verse 12 on page 832, this is Habakkuk's response to God. So God said, Habakkuk, I'm going to bring this nation against you. And then Habakkuk's like, whoa, 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 that's not what I was talking about. So he says, are you not from eternity, Lord my God, my Holy One? You will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? One who is wicked, the nation of Babylon, coming in to swallow up Judah, who was already unrighteous, but he's saying, well, they're more righteous than Babylon. In verse 14, you have made mankind like fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. The Chaldeans pull them all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they are glad and rejoice. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For by those things their portion is rich and their food plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continue to slaughter nations without mercy? So he's calling out of this wicked nation that is constantly coming in and taking over other nations, destroying other nations, and then what they worship is their engine of success. So then in chapter 2, he says, 
So I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. I will stand, I will wait. And then we don't know how long he stood there and how long he waited before the Lord replied. And that could be true for many of us where we're in the midst of tragedy and we're not hearing a word, we're not feeling God's presence. And yet what he is doing is he is faithfully doing what God has called him to do. Stand as the watchman, wait for my reply. So then after some period of time, God's second answer comes in. And so when God answers, he tells him, I'm going to give you this vision, make sure that it's clear so that it can go, it can be shared, it can spread. And he begins giving five woes, five woes. Now, in the, in the Hebrew, woe, woe is oi. That's where we get oive. It's, it's this tragic, awful thing, especially when it comes from the lips of God. He's saying, whoa, I'm casting judgment, and I'm calling out this nation. So the five woes. says He, he gives a woe about people who amasses what is not his nations that amass what is not theirs to amass nations that dishonestly make wealth for his own house that builds a city with bloodshed and funds a town with injustice lures neighbors into drunkenness to take advantage of them and practices idolatry so the Lord before Babylon had even came into the southern kingdom is already calling out judgment on Babylon. I just want to, if you flip over to 782 and Daniel 1, 1, I want to connect this for you. So the woes that God is calling out, this is before Babylon has even come into Assyria and came down into the southern kingdom. Okay, 782, Daniel 1, 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And the Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him. So this was the capture of Judah that was prophesied by Habakkuk. It says, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. So King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon goes, ransacks Judah, starts pulling materials out of their temple of worship, taking it back to his temple of worship as a tribute to his God, the pagan gods, the unreal gods. And the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility, young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction, in all wisdom, knowledgeable, Perceptive and capable of serving the king's palace. And he was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. And so we're, we're not going to go through all of Daniel, but if you just remember the story, Daniel's a story of three, four faithful men that go into the pagan nation and they resist all the temptations to eat the pagans' foods, to worship the pagans' gods, to the point where they're even thrown in a fiery furnace. Right? So they're persecuted. And, and so what you see here in the first part of Daniel, and you can flip back to Habakkuk now, Habakkuk 1.12, back in 8.32. But what you see in Daniel is exactly the woes that were called out by God. This was Nebuchadnezzar amassing wealth that was not his to amass, 
dishonestly taking the wealth for his own house, building a city with bloodshed, the luring of his neighbors into drunkenness. Babylon was known for, for getting people to celebrate their own destruction. So they lured them into drunkenness to take advantage of them. And then the practice of idolatry, bringing in the pagan nations, the pagan gods, and you worship our gods. Now, as, as Providence would have it this week, I was in Mexico with a uh, colleague of mine from India, and, and we're talking about just the, the, the global political world that we're living in. And it's, it's always interesting to hear perspectives in other places from other people because it's very different than what you see on just our news. Um, and so we're, we're talking about a couple of things. One, this BRIC alliance. Have you heard of this? BRIC, Brazil, Russia, India, China. They're trying to come up with their own currency, and, and it's supposedly an attack against the U.S. dollar. Um, and, and if you watch news enough, which I don't encourage you to do that, um, it can send you into a panic. You know, oh my goodness, you know, it's, um, we're, we're not in the situation where our neighbors to the north are going to invade Canada. I don't, I don't think we'll have a problem with them, but... Um, but, but if you listen to the news enough, there's, there's enough kind of pain, tragedy, injustice. You know, at the same time, we're there in the uh, uh, city of Mexico, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm driving through, and I'm watching all of these neighborhoods that are just living in poverty and half-built houses because the government has started programs and then funneled money to friends and not invested in what they were supposed to invest in, all the while taxing and oppressing people. We had conversations about Pakistan and India and all the war and the pain and the tragedy and the terrorism that's occurring over there. And as you're sitting there, you're just hearing place after place, time after time, where tragedy is happening at a macro level. And there are millions upon millions of people asking, why, God? Why? And then if we dial it in a notch, even at a personal level, many of us may have our own tragedy. We've, we're, in, we're affected by the economy. I, I heard uh, here recently that, uh, that, that most of us have experienced somewhere between a 10 to 12% squeeze on our own personal budget because our income has not increased at the rate of which the items that we're buying. So we're feeling the economic pressure. We may have tragedy deaths in the family. We may have fights in the family. We may have things going on in our life that we just don't understand. We're waiting on God when it just doesn't make sense. So as we read through God's response, I, I want to take this text and point out five things. Five things. Number one, the Lord is sovereign over evil. Number two, the Lord's people will walk by faith. Number three, the Lord will bring justice. Four, the Lord will bring all to bow down. And the Lord calls on us to worship him alone. Now this first one, the Lord is sovereign over evil. The Lord is sovereign over evil. What do we mean by that? Well, it's very easy for many of us to think about the good things that are happening and to give glory to God and thank God for it. And say, oh, well, God's hand was surely in that. So we, we see something miraculous happening. Someone uh, get better when we thought they were going to fall ill. We see you know, some financial strain all of a sudden relieved. We see a, a friend come back to us and ask for forgiveness after a falling out. And we say, praise the Lord. Thank you for the good things. 
But then when those bad things happen, when those evil things, when tragedy occurs, we always ask, where is God? Well, where is God? And, and theologians, over time, the bad ones, have tried to defend God by saying things like, well, maybe God didn't know it would happen. He had a good idea of what would happen, but he didn't know that very thing would happen, so the best he can do is kind of try to respond to it. Or some will say, oh, well, well God knew what was happening. He had perfect knowledge of what was going to happen, but, but he has stepped back and given us so much freedom, freedom of will, that we're just carrying out whatever we want to do, and he only steps in from time to time. And, and if you think about the characteristics of those kinds of gods, little g gods, that is not a God to worship. That is not a God to trust in. We want to worship and trust in a God that has revealed himself as the God who is sovereign over good and sovereign over evil. And scripture is clear about this. Look at Habakkuk 1 verse 12. Habakkuk 1 verse 12. In Habakkuk's response, Are you not from eternity, Lord, my God, my Holy One? You will not die, Lord. You appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. He said, you appointed them, you destined them. So the God that is sovereign over evil has appointed and destined the evil nation of Babylon to come against his people. We see similar things in Genesis 50, verse 20. Genesis 50, verse 20, if you think about the story of Joseph, he goes from the coat of many colors, being sold into slavery, he's put in prison from time. He faces a lot of tragedy, a lot of suffering, a little boy ripped away from his family. And then finally, when his brothers come to meet him, begging for food, he knows who they are. They don't know who he is. And they, they finally realize who he is, and they're worried that he's going to pay them back. But he says, you planned evil against me, in Genesis 50, 20, but God planned it for good. So the very evil that they planned to do, God had planned that same evil for his good purposes. We see in Job 1.8, Satan going to God, where have you been? He says, and God says, have you considered Job? God is sovereign over evil. We see the same thing in Luke 10, verses 17. Even the demons obey us as we have authority in Christ's name. Peter's prayer in Acts 4, 27 and 28. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place God is sovereign over evil scripture is clear of this so when we face various forms of evil of tragedy and the effects of sin in our life we can rest assured that we serve a God that is good and a God that is wise, knows the right thing to do and the right time to do it, even though we may not understand it. And we can trust in him. He is sovereign over evil. And so because he is sovereign over evil, point number two, his people will walk by faith. So if you look at chapter two, verse four, calling out about Babylon, look, his ego is inflated and he is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by his faith now show of hands how many of us at some point in our life has been told that you have a self-confidence or self-esteem problem 
Nobody? No? Well, for those that don't have their hands up, let me tell you, you have a self-confidence and self-esteem problem. In fact, you were probably a little timid about raising your hand because you're wondering what others are going to think about you when you raise your hand. So when we think about self-confidence and self-esteem, the problem is not that we don't have enough of it. The problem is that we have too much of it. Our confidence, coming from the root words con, with, fide, faith, our confidence is in ourselves, not in our creator. And so when we're confident in ourselves and we're thinking about ourselves all the time, we are putting our trust in someone that is going to fail. Sometimes that self-confidence shows up as ego and being puffed up. Right, and that's what it's contrasting here in the back. Look at his ego, inflated. He's without integrity. So think about that Babylon. They're thinking, oh, how great are we for accomplishing what we're accomplishing and not knowing that it was the Lord bringing about their work as a form of judgment. Okay, sometimes that self-confidence shows up as, as a, well, it's, it's all on me and not on the God that, I believe in and I know that I fail sometimes so I'm worried that it's not going to happen right either way it's having too much self-confidence and not enough God confidence so God's people are going to walk by faith and what an amazing relief it is to know that we serve and we trust a God that is sovereign over evil that is sovereign over good and that we can walk by faith, trusting him and not ourselves. Read with me in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9. Paul says, so we are always confident. We are always confident. And know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident. And we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. Twice in this text, twice, he says we are confident. Not a self-confidence, a God-confidence. We are trusting in the Lord that created us, the Lord that sustains us. We have faith in the sovereign Lord. We have our confidence in God. So we walk by faith. The righteous will walk by faith. And as we walk by faith, we know that the Lord will bring justice. The Lord will bring justice. Let's read chapter 2, verse 8. Since you have plundered many nations, all the peoples who remain will then plunder you. Because of human bloodshed and violence against lands, cities, and all who live in them. So God is revealing to Habakkuk that not only will this ungodly nation come in, and overpower Judah but ultimately that ungodly nation will be overpowered itself the Lord will bring justice and think about times where the Lord brought justice just like Egypt okay Egypt had enslaved the people of Israel and then on their way out God slew the firstborn of Egypt leaving pain and tragedy in the land and then let Egypt plunder them or let Israel plunder Egypt on their way out just like Assyria So we said at the very beginning, Babylon was coming in to attack Syria. 
Assyria and then Judah. In Isaiah 10, we hear this same story. Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, in, uh, the staff in their hands is my wrath. So God's saying this, Assyria, the pagan nation that came and destroyed the northern kingdom, their rod, their staff, was the Lord's anger and wrath. So he was bringing about judgment from Assyria, and then later on in Isaiah 10, 12, it says, but when the Lord finishes his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for his arrogant acts and the proud look in his eyes. So Assyria brought in by God to punish God's nation, God's people for their wickedness, and then Assyria was punished by Babylon who came in. Later on, Babylon was punished by Persia. Okay, so we see God is bringing about justice. God ordains their use and then brings justice against them. But God doesn't just bring justice against people for their sins against other people. God brings justice against people for their sins against him. We read of this coming day of the Lord when this happens. In Matthew 25, Jesus speaks of the separation of sheep from goats. It says the goats will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous, those who walk by faith, into eternal life. He warns earlier in Matthew, in chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? In today's society, I would change this language to say, the modern day version of this would be people saying, well, didn't I go to Bible school at that church? Well, didn't I get baptized at that church? My daddy was a deacon over there Lord Lord but in that day it says I will announce to them I never knew you depart from me you lawbreakers so the Lord will bring justice as we see tragedy as we see pain as we see evil we can trust that God is in control of it that we as God's people are to walk by faith trusting in him and trusting that he's going to bring about judgment and that the Lord will bring all to bow down. In chapter 2, verse 14 of Habakkuk, we see, the earth will be filled, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the water covers the sea. Think about that for a moment. The earth as we know it, through all the news stories we hear and all the tragedy and all the pain, that world will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. And Jesus spoke of this in John 12, starting the 27. He says, now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice from heaven says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd standing there heard that and said, was that thunder? Another said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus responded, this voice came, not for me, but for you. Now as the judgment of this world, now as the ruler of this world will be cast out, as for me, as I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And this he did to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. So one of the acts of the Lord bringing justice was in the crucifixion of Christ. Christ was brought up from the earth on a post. 
died on that post to bring about justice. And he said, as I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. He's saying the gospel will reach every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory. And on the day of the Lord, every knee will bow. We see that in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. For this reason, God has highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there will be those goats that are set aside, kneeling, pleading, shouting, Jesus is Lord. But for those goats, it'll be too late. God's people will be bowing, praising the Lord that he is bringing about justice against injustice. And so the call to us and the call to the, those around us is to worship God alone. One of the last woes that God brought up was the idolatry of the pagan nation. We see in Habakkuk 2, verses 20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. So come to Christ. If you're here, you don't know him today, come to Christ. Be silent in his presence. Worship him alone. If you're caught up watching some of the, the, the news stories or flicking through, scrolling some of the foolish things and getting yourself worked up and anxious about all the things that are outside of your control, come to Christ. Worship him alone. Set your mind on the things that are above. Come to Christ. He is worthy. He alone is worthy. He died for us. Come to Christ and worship him alone. And we see in many ways, times today are not altogether different we see suffering we see injustice we see evil we see God's people not in positions of power just as Manasseh he was one of the kings and Judah he sacrificed his son to the pagans of God to the pagan gods for worldly glory we see today millions of babies being sacrificed to the modern day gods of freedom and success for worldly glory but the Lord calls us to worship him alone Worship the one that sacrificed his son in our place for eternal glory. So, if you're here today and you feel yourself disparaged while you're reading the news, streaming social media, getting caught up with friends, or just sitting alone, thinking about your own condition, if you're in the day-to-day -day rat race of life, if you are waiting when it doesn't make sense, Remember, the Lord is sovereign over evil. Commit to trusting that he is bringing about his glory and your good. You may not understand it. You may not have planned it to happen this way, just like Habakkuk. But trust the Lord is bringing about his glory and good. He is sovereign over the situation. And you, as, as, as God's people, are to walk by faith. So that means this next step, 
that next phone call, that next meeting, that next conversation, waking up in the morning or going into work this evening is going to be a step by faith, trusting in the Lord that is sovereign over every circumstance and having God confidence, not self-confidence. Trusting that the Lord will bring justice and praying that God will save those around you. Knowing that the Lord will bring all to bow down. So share with them the name that is above all names. Share Christ with them. Warn them of that day to come. And then the Lord calls us to worship him alone. So come to Christ. That means that we take the offer and then we take the offer. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come to you as a people in need. We come to you as a people that have joy, have pain. Maybe some of us have seen tragedy. Some of us are in the midst of storms, and we ask for your peace. We ask for your help. We cry out to you, Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help us to trust in you. Help us to have a God confidence. Help us to then take your word to the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? And let's encourage one another with these words that Christ is indeed the steady anchor in our lives.
So if you are interested, if your uh, child or grandchild wants to be a part of that, make sure uh, we have limited space, so make sure you see Curtis today and get your deposit to him so that you can get your registration done. Uh, that camp is always a, a, a life difference maker for our students, and so we hope that you and your student can come and be a part of that. And the last announcement that I have this morning, uh, just due to the cold weather, unfortunately, who would have thought we would have had 40 degree weather in April, uh, but because of the cold weather, we won't be doing gospel to every home today, uh, as again, we don't want our teeth chattering as we share the gospel today when we go out uh, door to door. So uh, we will hopefully do that, uh, Lord willing, next Sunday. Well, this is a time of our worship as we've worshiped through song and through the word. Uh, and through prayer, the Lord tells us that we should give of our tithes and offerings as an act of worship. You can participate this uh, by giving as we pass the offering plates here in just a minute. Or if you need to do so electronically, there's something right in front of you in the pew that you can scan. Or it will be right there on the screen behind me that you can, you can also give. If you're watching at home, you can do the same thing. So let's uh, go to the Lord and prepare our hearts as we give this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to give back what you have already given to us. And just as we know that we're sending students to camp, uh, Lord, our, the faithful giving of those here today and throughout the year help us to support uh, students and families as they proclaim the gospel to their kids. And so, Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to give because you have given to us now lord we ask that you would multiply it both in our hearts the faithfulness to give the cheerfulness to give as well as the opportunities to give and we ask you lord to multiply the gift that we might do more for your kingdom in jesus name amen God are in a ring. 
opposing him, their efforts are in vain. Through every age, the gospel will endure. The Spirit's with the church forevermore. So let the church arise, let the anthem has heard of Christ the risen King, the song of the redeemed, only we shall sing, the hope of all the world is Christ the risen King, we, we are not ashamed, for the gospel is the power of God to save. not ashamed, for we have no other Savior to proclaim. We are not ashamed. We, we are not ashamed, for we have a sure foundation in His grace. Yes, we, we are not ashamed. For we have a great salvation in His name. Life alone, the life, the truth, the way. Christ alone, the life, the truth, the way. Christ alone, the life, the truth, the way. We grabbed a seat for just a second. Uh, this is not normal, but we have an announcement that we want to take, give you as a church. Uh, so I'm going to ask Pastor Allen and Heather, and we're going to come down here to the floor just because I'm more safe down here. Um, uh, Pastor Allen had come to us several months ago, and uh, due to some changes in his life and different things, uh, he is stepping down as our young adult pastor, uh, and uh, first of all, it's not going anywhere. You're still going to see him and Heather around. Yeah, yeah, praise God. Yeah, he's not. So let's, let's relieve the pressure of that. Uh, he has had a lot more responsibility at his work and different things. And so uh, we've been talking and praying about this. And we have someone taking over the uh, college ministry over at uh, Gateway. Thank you. And uh, so with that, we wanted to tell you about this. The elders and I, we've been talking about this for a while. So we wanted to now let you know as a church. Uh, again, we love Pastor Allen. He is a gift to us, a blessing to us. And again, we won't, he's not, they're not going anywhere. But we're just knowing that he needs to step back for family. So we're going to give this to Allen because he just wanted to talk to you guys for just a second. Let's, let's appreciate Pastor Allen again, right? I just want to take a moment and extend my extreme gratitude to this congregation. This church family means so much to us, and this is one of the hardest decisions we've ever made because I am so honored and love getting to minister here. But as Sean said, Heather and I, we've just been praying about our lives and feel that at this season of our life, the importance of us ministering to our family, to our kids, needs to be so um, just given priority. So just for a season, we're stepping down. 
very open to what the Lord may have in store for the future, and we're excited to keep on ministering alongside you all as church members, but we'll just be taking this step down from pastoral leadership. So thank you all for being who you are. We're so very blessed by every single one of you. So those, those of you know, Pastor Allen served as our youth pastor for a while, our young adult pastor. Uh, he is Mr. Jack of all trades. He loves the Lord. He loves the church. He loves his family. And you can't meet a nicer guy than Alan Green, right? But he is also, and we are also blessed by Heather, right? Heather has blessed so many of us. So I was thankful when he said, Pastor, we're not going anywhere. I was like, okay, whatever you have to say after that, we're good. So, uh, but we need to pray for them, and uh, we, we just pray for the Lord to lead them and their family. So let me pray a blessing over them, and y'all can come and encourage them and hug their necks. Guests, we'll see you out at the next steps desk, but we're thankful for Pastor Allen. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for um, this church and truly the family that it has become uh, to all of us and the blessings that we have received through the Green family. Uh, we're thankful this is a place that we've seen their children uh, born and raised and that we've seen uh, Alan called to ministry and serve in so many capacities. So they are such an important part of our life. And, and Lord, we're just thankful that you equip the body of Christ to do different things. Uh, becoming a faithful church member is not a step down. It is the blessing and call of the church. And we know that the, the, the Greens will fulfill the role of ministry as a church member, faithfully as they have done everything else. We just want to bless you, Lord, for blessing, uh, giving them to us, and continuing to keep them as part of our church family. So, Lord, we are thankful uh, that you have equipped us all to reach people in northern Kentucky. We're thankful for the fruits of ministry that you've already shown through Alan and the many more to come. Lord, bless us as we leave this place. And as may we, as we sing, we, that we are not ashamed of the gospel that saves. And may we go to spread that name. In Jesus' name, amen.